I'll tell you what, we've been seeing a lot of wonderful things in the character of Sam, or excuse me, uh, David, the life of David. He, he had God's plan just implemented in his life. He was a miraculous man of God. He had a heart full of just love for God. And today we're going to learn uh, how much he actually loved somebody that didn't love him. Actually, Samuel, or excuse me, David, what happened was Saul, King Saul wanted to kill him. He tried to kill him several times, at least three times, uh, maybe four. He put him in charge of a thousand men, uh, made him captain, and instead of getting beat up and, and smashed in the battle, David was actually a great warrior, and uh, he was very wise, and he, he ended up being a great general, too. Every time Saul tried to kill him, David would back away and run. And every time uh, Saul tried to kill him, David, he didn't go back and, and uh, retaliate. He didn't try to get revenge. And pretty soon, David was in a cave. And you know, twice now, David uh, could have taken out and killed Saul. Some say he may have been even justified in it because it was self-defense. But David didn't have that in his heart. And you know, sometimes when we have an enemy, it's hard to love them. But I was just really amazed today or when I was studying. But we're going to see today how that David loved King Saul, even though King Saul wanted to, wanted to kill him. I think David looked beyond the outward and got to looking at uh, the heart of Saul. Maybe, maybe Saul was way above his head. Of course, he didn't, he didn't really choose to be king. Everybody understand, though, that the, the Israelites, they wanted a king. They wanted to be like other countries, right? And uh, God was displeased with them. Remember Samuel, he, he told Samuel, go uh, anoint King Saul. And he warned the Israelites, when you have this guy, you're not going to like him. He's going he's gonna to treat you real bad. But because you want it so bad and you don't want me, I'm going to give you what you want. How many understand sometimes it's not good to have what you really want? It could be, it could be really dangerous if you're not uh, asking what God wants for you. That's dangerous. So today we're going to see how that even though they had Saul as their king and David was anointed early, Saul was terrible in his, in his uh, administration. He, he just did two or, th I, I know three things he really angered the Lord. Finally, the Lord said, I've had it with you. Uh, three times now you've done terrible things. And so I'm going to take the kingdom away from you and I'm going to give it to a man after my own heart. Aren't you glad for David right about now? And you know, how many understand sometimes we'll have a, a king or a president of the United States or uh, somebody, maybe a governor or somebody in authority? How many understand it takes a lot of patience when there's somebody in the rulership that, that's not doing good? So you just got to wait them out, right? Just wait them out. Now today, I, I think that whether you like leadership or not, it doesn't matter if you're Democrat or, or Republican. None, none of that matters in, in the Bible. What matters is if you get treated bad, <laughs> I don't care if it's by you know, anybody. It could be a teacher. It could be. 
How many have ever had a grouchy police officer stop you? How many never get stopped by any police officer and you don't have the foggiest idea what I'm talking about? Jack, yeah, he's 12. <laughs> Wait till you start driving, buddy. Anyway, uh, but there's, there's sometimes we run into people and being in, in, the, uh, in the military, I had guys and, and so did Brother Carlson that were over us in the military and they, they were kind of, they were bad guys. And so what you got to do is you got you to wait on God and, and love the Lord. You can't control what other people do, right? But you sure can't control what you do. David controlled what he did because he loved the Lord. Now, uh, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. Notice here, we're going to start out in verse 24. Uh, after David recovered all of his families from Ziklag, he also destroyed the Amalekites in a battle that lasted from twilight one night, all during the night, all the rest of the day, until the evening of the next day. Had a great battle and he, he, he uh, was victorious. Uh, but he gained a lot of spoil. He had tons of spoil with him. He regained his families. Ziklag was taken uh, back and nobody got hurt. All of his children were okay, and the 600 army that he had, 600 army soldiers, all their families was okay. So Ziklag was a pretty big city. So David took it back, and then right after that, he had all this spoil. Uh, notice verse 24 and 25. We'll start there. It says, uh, David said, for, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff, they shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. Uh, that's, that's really good. You know, if you don't get to do what other people get to do, but you're back taking care of the, the shop, then you're just as important as anybody else. Amen. How many understand everybody's important in church? And so right now, you might not see nursery workers, but they're there, right? They're very important. Somebody clean the toilet. Somebody shout amen over that. Uh, uh, now, honestly, you don't have to get too excited, but uh, <laughs> it's stuff like that. If it doesn't get done, everybody go, oh, I'm never going back to that church. The restrooms were filthy. Yeah, but who cleaned them? Well, I don't care who cleans them. I just want them clean. And, you know, people that stay behind and their, their lives are not prominent out on the front battle lines, they're just as important as the front guys in the front uh, in the Army. Now, I wasn't in the Army, but I think I know a little bit about it. There's something called logistics, right? Isn't that trucking? Uh, moving? Yeah, supplies, right. So those guys back there, uh, they're just as important as the people fighting with the M16s and stuff on the front line. So think about this. Uh, this true story. When I was in Jacksonville, I was at an art store. I was waiting on my wife for something, and I decided to go looking around in this art store. And I was uh, going through the big portraits and pictures and paintings. And I saw a picture of General Patton. Uh, in World War II, 
He was like a three-star general, I think, two or three stars. And a big portrait of General Patton. And he went to Germany and other places. And then right behind me, a big, huge man came right behind me, and I didn't see him. He put his hand on my shoulder, and his big old hand went thunk on my shoulder. He goes, young man, do you know who that is? I said, yes, sir, I do. That's General Patton, World War II. I know who he is. I didn't know who he was. So. And I looked up, and he goes, I'm E.L. Patton. I'm General Patton's cousin. I said, you're his cousin? He said, yes, that's my cousin. While General Patton was in World War II, his cousin was back in supply in the States. He was a one-star general, and his cousin got all the fame and glory, but E.L. Patton, his cousin, he was just as important as, as Patton on the, on the battlefield. I couldn't believe it. I've, I was... I was just kind of getting goosebumps and everything. I'm, like, I'm making history. E.L. Patton touched my shoulder. And so, true story, I got to be friends with him. And he was 80, uh, 89 years old. And I got to go to his house. His wife was sick on her uh, deathbed. She was very ill for many years. So we'd go and talk to her and sing to her. And we'd have Bible study with E.L. Patton. And I was going, man, I'm the friend of E.L. or Patton's cousin. And um, so then what happened was uh, she passed away and uh, E.L. Patton, the one star general, he, uh, he asked me if I would come to the funeral. And I was very honored to go to the funeral of his wife. Um, my wife and I went to visit him and several uh, church staff in Jacksonville went to see him and talked with him and. I remember helping him with his shoes on one day and putting on his shoes. He couldn't bend over. He was so old and his body was just, just wore out. He was a big, big man. I remember one day just tying his shoes and putting his shoes on. and We became really close friends. I'm sure he's with the Lord by now. Oh, no doubt. But then I thought, isn't that great? Here is a one-star general that got no fame. He got no accolades. He got no press. No, nobody hardly even knew who he was, but he was back in, in, uh, on the shore in the United States on the East Coast taking care of all the supplies while his cousin was getting all the glory. So you know what David King David said? He said, those that stay by the stuff, they get to share in, every, in the spoil just like the guys on the front line. That's how God is. That's, that's what God does. Nobody's unimportant in the church. Amen. Nobody's unimportant. And so uh, then, with all the spoil, uh, the Bible says in the last part of chapter 30, I won't take time to count, but uh, there's over 16 cities that David sent all the spoil to, all of his friends and neighbors and buddies and stuff. And, and the Bible says they're all names about 16 different cities that the spoil... He, he was a generous person. Date, King David was a very generous man. He gave and gave and gave. Uh, boy, you can see just all of his music, 150 psalms. Uh, David was a great man. He taught his son. Uh, Bathsheba had uh, Solomon, of course. But David taught Solomon. And the reason Solomon could write the book of Proverbs 
is because he had a good dad to teach him all that stuff. Amen? Think about it. Uh, look with me in the book of, uh, well, we won't go there now. I'll, I'll, I'll save that for later. Anyway, the Philistines uh, then in, in chapter 31, they kill Saul and Jonathan and two of Jonathan's brothers, uh, Abinadab and Melchishua. Uh, so Saul was wounded. Saul got wounded real bad. And his armor bearer, uh, he asked his armor bearer to fall on him and kill him. His armor bearer just wouldn't do it. So Saul actually fell on his own sword and tried to commit suicide because he didn't want to be abused by the Philistines. So his armor bearer thought that Saul was dead. So his armor bearer fell on his sword and killed himself. But Saul was lingering. He wasn't dead yet in the battle and he was still alive. All of a sudden, an Amalekite came from the battle and found King Saul and, uh, and then he killed King Saul. So David, you would think, would say, good, good for him. After all he's done to me, good. That's the wrong spirit, amen? We should not rejoice when our enemy falls. And boy, did David ever have a good reason to just be happy about it. But that's not the way God works. God, by the way, did you know what the Bible says about people dying and going to hell? He said, it is not his will that any perish. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. That, that's an invitation for every single person in the world to get saved. And it is God's will. It is his predestined plan. It is foreknowledge. It's predestinated for every single person in the world to go to heaven. That's what predestination is. But people say no to God. Isn't that sad? So David had this, had the heart of God. He had, he had a heart that was after the heart of God. He didn't hate King Saul. He was a generous man. He had a song in his heart. He played the harp. And remember last week we knew he was in the cave. And by the, by the, he should have been cowering and chewing on his fingernails. But instead, he broke out his harp and he started playing. And uh, Psalm 57 tells us all about that. In the middle of his trial. How many of you would like to have a little bit of joy in the middle of your trial? Would you like that? I would. I would like you to have joy in the middle of your trial. It's, it's hard to get sometimes when you go through trials. It's hard to be happy. You know what? The, uh, I, I've heard tell of some of our church members who are among people that are all worried and frantically in a frenzy about this cor coronavirus thing, which I, I think should be handled uh, delicately. But they're around people that are so in a frenzy, they don't have the peace. And I've heard, I've heard tell stories about people in our church that have the peace of God and the people that don't have peace are looking like, how come you're not nervous? How come you're not bothered? What, aren't you worried? And some of our church members have been able to witness to people that say, yeah, I'm trusting in the Lord. I'm trusting in God. I, all my trust, my heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. 
David in the middle of the cave. He takes his harp out and he starts playing a song. And oh, you got to read Psalm 57. So now Saul's dead. But uh, that's not what David wanted. And I'm going to show you this. Let's look in chapter number one of 2 Samuel. Okay. 2 Samuel chapter one. We're going to see how important it was that uh, David would, uh, would not take the life of Saul. So uh, let's start in uh, verse 13, because I've already told you a little bit about it, but verse 13. And David said <clears throat> unto the young man that told him, Whence art thou? And he answered, I am the son of a stranger and a Malachite. And David said unto him, How wast thou not afraid to stretch forth thine hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? And David called one of the young men and said, Go near and fall upon him. And he smote him that he died. And David said unto him, Thy blood be upon thy head, for thy mouth has testified against thee, saying, I have slain the Lord's anointed. Now, you might say, well, there's vindication right there. There's revenge. There's retribution. No, sir. No, sir. That was the law back then. That was, that was way after Moses. And you couldn't touch the anointed of God. Do my prophets no harm. Touch not God's anointed. Do not touch. Do not. God will take care of that anointing. When God puts his anointing on, on a king, it was, it was a crime to mistreat him and, and kill him. And so here's this Amalekite. By the way, you know what I don't like? Can I just say this real quick since, since um, I get to say it? Uh, I don't think if there's an elderly person that's about to die, I don't think it's our job to take their life. I think you should let God let the process go. I don't know what it's called. Is it called euthanasia? Is that what that's called? I'm totally against that. I, I'm not against good medicine and, and comfort and painkiller and all that. I, my goodness, I've seen enough people pass away. But there's never a time when somebody ought to say, well, he's almost gone anyway. Just take his life anyway. Get this over with. Sorry, no way. Don't do that to my grandpa. And don't do that to my grandma, my, my mom, no way. My, my wife's mom, she's 87 years old, and she's spunky. I mean, she's, she's a pistol. She can get ornery at 87. It's kind of fun to be around her because she can get really spunky. I, th I think, man, let's just, let's just let God take care of it all, Amen. I'm saying that so uh, when I'm 87, would you please let me alone? <laughs> I've always dreamed about uh, running down the aisle, you know, in a, in a wheelchair with a big, long, white beard saying, preach it, brother, preach it, <laughs> preach it. I hope I'm, I'm going to stay in church like David said, uh, uh, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I just, I just love church. That's all there is to it. All right, so let me ask you this. Did David want Saul to die? Did he respect his office of king? And is it not true that David was also anointed as, as God's anointed? 
And then David looks at Saul and he goes, oh man, Saul is in trouble. He's got, he's, his kingdom's over. But David didn't say a word about it. David was anointed of God. And he knew Saul was in trouble. He knew Saul was going to, but Saul's in bad trouble. God's done with him. Did David treat him like that? He treated him with respect and honor and, and dignity. And he didn't hate him. He didn't, boy, I wish I could treat every enemy I've ever had like that. You know what I mean, right? How many have ever uh, kind of hated your enemy the wrong way before? Don't raise your hand. Just say amen. Now look at verse 17. David really loved King Saul. He said in verse 17, watch this now. He actually sang a little song to show how much he loved his king. And David lamented with uh, this lamentation. So he wrote it down. There is a book called the Book of Lamentations. This is one of those. And uh, over Saul and over Jonathan, his son, of course, you know how he loved Jonathan too. So let's read it. It says in verse number 18, uh, also, he bade them teach the children of Judah the use of the bow. Behold, it is written in the book of Jasher. Now watch verse 19. The beauty of Israel is slain upon thy high places. How are the mighty fallen? Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ascalon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. Ye mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, neither let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offerings. For there the shield of the mighty is vilely cast away, the shield of Saul, as though he had not been anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan were lovely and pleasant in their lives. Now hold it right there. Remember how bad Saul was? Remember all the things he did against God? But J Jonathan was a great man and, and Saul was a good man. By the way, Saul was saved. He went to heaven. Amen. He, it says it right there in the Bible. So he, he, was, a, he was what we would look at as a Christian that was in a in a bad way. He was a backsliding Christian. But look at what David looked at him as. He said, they were lovely in their, and pleasant in their lives, and in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet with other delights, who put an ornaments put on ornaments of gold upon your apparel. How are the mighty fallen in the midst of the battle? O oh, Jonathan, thou wast slain in thine high places. I am distressed for thee, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant hast thou been unto me. Thy love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. How are the mighty fallen and the weapons of war perished? You know what that's referenced to? You know, Two, two people that are fighting a battle together, you know that that does, it forms a bond. 
And that bond sometimes is not understood by women. Uh, I, I've seen it, and, and some of you have read about it. Two, two people on the battlefield together, they form a friendship that lasts forever. I've read about Medal of Honor winners and guys still to this day, they get together in groups and have reunions. Um, World War II veterans are still gathering together in groups of less than 10. Uh, no, uh, but uh, they... <laughs> or 50. Uh, but you take, you take these guys uh, that were in Vietnam, they get together and they, they still love each other and there's a bond there. You can't be broken. It's just unbelievable. Nobody gets to really understand it unless you've gone to battle with, you know. And I've seen that in Christian circles too. Now, maybe on a spiritual level instead of a physical level, but there's, do you have a, do you have a prayer partner? You ought to have a prayer partner. You ought to get, get down and do battle with a prayer partner. Uh, have you ever gone soul winning? Of course we have. We're soul winners. Have you ever have a soul winning partner? And you know what the soul winning partner does? You go to spiritual battle with your soul winning partner. I mean a prayer partner, soul winning partner. How many have ever worked with children? You are a Sunday school teacher. You need a medal of honor. How many have ever done the nursery? You know what you need? A medal. <laughs> uh, uh, Brother Randy and I, we, we were out in Ferndale. We were visiting, knocking doors and talking about the Lord. We ran into a real rough door. And I'm telling you, this girl was so vicious. She was just, I, I don't know how to describe it. I don't think I've been hated that much in all my life. She was, uh, she was, she was rough, and and bummer. It was my turn to talk too. And uh, anyway, Randy was standing by me, and and the the girl it was my turn to give the gospel and talk to the to the girl. And so she opened the door, and right away I knew, oh Lord, this is going to be tough, because she did not like the gospel. She she took the track and said, what's this? You know, anyway, when the conversation was over, you know how she stopped the conversation? She took that solid core door and she stepped back and grabbed it and took a full swing and she took a step like a baseball player was going to smack a home run and she took that door and, I mean, she slammed it so hard I thought it was going to come off the hinges and when it when it shut, it was like a blast hit my face and Randy's face. It stung my soft cheeks. My cheeks were soft back then. And, I mean, it was, it was, it was like a gunshot. And and she was so glad to do it. She said, "No, I don't want to hear any more of this." And she went, "Wham!" And oh man, we had people knocking another section of the apartment complex that heard the door slam. They heard the door slam on the North Pole. It was in the news. No, no. I tell you, man, I never, my skin was stinging. Like, oh, I'll, I don't, I'll never forget that as long as I live. It was rough. That, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of hatred in this world. But you know, what, what God has called us to do is to love our enemies and to keep going for the Lord, amen? 
it, it's, it's, not, it's not all that difficult to try to have the heart that God has because He has given us this love that's brand new. We're supposed to love people like God does. It is difficult. And uh, we do have that old nature that tells us, uh, well, it's a fight. Amen? Uh, the, it, it, it's just a, it's a constant battle. But David, he, he loved Saul, and he was anointed. And you know what happened? Think about this. Do you remember the Lord Jesus went to church on, on the Sabbath? Remember that? It was his custom to go to the synagogue. Everybody with me? And one day they gave him the, the book of Isaiah, and he stood up and read. It was his custom to be a part of the church. Think about this now for a minute. Most of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rabbis of his day, most of those guys, they didn't really know the Lord. They were in the Old Testament uh, pharisaical uh, community. You know, they, they, very few of them were actually saved. And especially, they wouldn't look to Jesus, the son of a carpenter, and call him the Messiah. Most of the Jewish scribes and Pharisees rejected that the Messiah was a carpenter's son, right? You with me? I mean, there was, was a big step to say, this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, is this, is, is this the Savior? Nah, surely, surely God wouldn't give us a Messiah that was a, a boy and a carpenter's son and Joseph and Mary. Are, and they, they had a hard time with that. Think about what Jesus did. He went to church all the time, and he knew more than the rabbis did. And yet, look, he never caused, he, he looked at the rabbis, and he knew that he was the Savior, and yet he submitted himself to the rabbis. And you know, I, I'll tell you, David, David loved the king. That's, that's all there is to it. How many understand our country would be a lot better off if we just had some respect for authority? Even, even the authority that wasn't doing really good. I, uh, I went to, on a call the other day with uh, the sheriff's department. I'm a support officer, so I get to go and help families. There was one overdose. A fellow died of an overdose. And uh, I, I have a great respect for the sheriff's department and, and the police officers. And I have a new respect for them I didn't have when I was a teenager. <laughs> Uh, amen. And, uh, but, but I have a great respect for them now because they're just people like us. And every once in a while, there's a bad guy. Um, one guy was really, really swearing like crazy. I didn't correct him. I couldn't. I, it wasn't my place. But so we, that's the world we live in, right? You have good leaders. You have bad leaders. You have some in the middle. But your duty and my duty is to live peaceably with those in authority over us. Do you see how David had that love for the king? What an incredible man he was all the time, knowing full well. So let's, uh, let's just remember that. And uh, let's go to uh, 2 Samuel chapter 2 now, uh, verse 16. So <clears throat> verse 16 of chapter number 2. No, that's not, that's not it. I'm, I'm going to skip that. I got that wrong. All right. Uh, so, uh, in concluding here, the lesson this morning, 
We have an, uh, an attitude toward the king, remember? Even if he's the bad king, we still have respect. Is that right? Everybody going to change your whole life now? All right. How many are never going to complain one more time about bad leadership? Okay. I can't make that promise either, <laughs> but I'm going to work at it. Amen. Hey, at least we could do this. At least we could pray for those in authority over us, right? Yeah. I remember praying, Lord, would you please save Obama? Uh, but um, I, I hope that works. You know, I hope he does get saved. Uh, if you have a problem with a leader, pray for him. Because that's the heart of God. Let's bow our heads for prayer.